1: Bring in show music, please.
2: This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, a boost for crypto, a tumble for Virgin Galactic, and a new stakeholder at Macy's. But news, the next vaccine timeline with Dr. Kavita Patel.
3: For the majority of Americans under the age of 65. We are still waiting for more evidence that anybody can just go and get boosters.
2: And the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos trial continues. CNBC's Scott Cohn on the fake it till you make it drama inside the courtroom.
1: That's what the prosecution has to prove. They have to prove that she intended to commit fraud.
2: It's Friday, October 15th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now.
1: Stand Becky by in three, two, one, Cue, please.
4: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Joe is out today. First up on today's podcast,
2: a watershed moment for the crypto industry and a landmark decision from the SEC. They've got Wall Street and Main Street buzzing. It all started with a report from Bloomberg. Bloomberg.
4: The SEC, they say, is set to allow a Bitcoin futures ETF to start trading next week. They haven't put a stop to it yet, um, and if they do, this is pretty monumental. Th- these are different ETFs; they'd be filed under mutual fund rules that Gary Gensler has already said provide pretty significant investor um, protections. Uh, but if that happens, you can understand why Bitcoin would be trading near sixty thousand dollars today.
5: Could be there could be a lot more folks buying Bitcoin, or at least these these funds will be we ultimately having to buy underlying bitcoin the one thing that i can't figure out becky is we are watching the markets fly we're watching bitcoin fly and at the same time maybe this explains it if you look at the the, the homepage of Dr- the drudge report this morning global economy perfect storm cheap food binge over prices yeah. skyrocket uh, you'd think that you'd think that actually the world was coming undone but maybe you need to maybe you need to hold on and own these assets while everything's just moving up. Well, I'll tell
4: you, it makes cash a lot less attractive place. If you're talking about higher inflation, and we heard earlier this week that the Social Security COLA payments are going to go up 5.9 percent. If you are holding money in cash, if you are a saver, you're the one who is going to get killed by those moves. Um, cash is, you know, cash is trash. Cash is That's trash. what you hear all the Redalio time from Redalio Redalio. That is so yep. much more the story when
5: inflation kicks in. Let's talk about this uh, FDA panel because it unanimously recommended giving booster shots of Moderna's COVID vaccine to people ages 65 years and older and other vulnerable Americans. A final FDA decision could come within days Then the CDC would consider the proposals If both agencies sign off. Booster shots could begin as soon as next week for eligible Americans who completed their first round of shots at least six months ago. Next up on the docket, the FDA advisory committee is going to be meeting today about the J&J vaccine boosters, and we will see where they land. I imagine, well, I don't know what I imagine, but I imagine they're going to approve all all of them. But interestingly, we've talked about what appears to be the benefit of the mixing and matching, at least in the context of those who took the J&J vaccine early on in terms of getting an mRNA booster.
4: Right. I, I mean, I, I looked at the data. I, I might still have some concerns about mixing and matching at this point, just because it was a pretty narrow study, um, and a narrow study that was looking at all the mixing and matching. It, these are things that they're going to have to work out a little more. You might feel more comfortable taking the one you already took, although they did point out that if you had a and j shot first, it might be better to take mRNA um, right. as your are showing No, no, I think, the,
5: I think the issue is on, on the J&J, you may want to take the others. If you've taken the Pfizer or Moderna, it seems like from an efficacy perspective, it almost doesn't matter whether you, take another, right. whether you take the Moderna or the Pfizer one. The Moderna one, though, of course, is half the dose effectively of what was your last dose of Moderna. So it's actually a different
4: 50 milligrams versus the 100
5: It's different than than the way the Pfizer... Uh,
4: The one thing that that means is that they will have to roll out the new... Like Pfizer, remember, they they are in the process of making the new ones for kids if that becomes approved for kids ages 5 to 11, because that will be one-third the size. The question is, with Moderna, are they going to be allowed to take more doses out of the vial, or will they also have to do the smaller vial? And will that take time to work its way out? Activist Jana Partners has taken a stake in Macy's and it's prodding the retailer to spin off its fast growing e-commerce business. That's according to a Wall Street Journal report that said Jana believes a standalone e-commerce business would be worth a multiple of the current market value of Macy's. Rival Sachs is in the process of separating its e-commerce business from its store operations. But, Andrew, this is that same question about should they be together, should they be apart? You've got Amazon now opening stores. You've got places like Target and Walmart that have done phenomenal. Target especially because it's fulfilling through its stores. Walmart, same thing. When you start fulfilling through the stores and using that, it's a cheaper way of, of getting the product to the customers. So a lot of questions that continually surround this. Um, I, I think this is probably an issue of— are the department stores worth anything? That's probably the question they're asking at this point.
5: The Omni Channel works for some, but maybe it doesn't work for all. Shares of Virgin Galactic, they're falling this morning. The space tourism company delaying the beginning of its commercial space tourism service to the fourth quarter now of 2022. This month, the company will begin work refurbishing and improving its spacecraft and carrier aircraft, process expected to last 18 to 10 months. Or I would say eight to ten months, not eighteen to ten months. That work uh, was originally scheduled after the next space flight, but um, a recent test flagged possible issue with the strength of the material in certain joints that will require physical inspection. And Becky, I just find it so bizarre that we talk about we just talk about a spacecraft. The spacecraft. (laughs) These are things that... It
4: has become routine very quickly, right? We didn't
5: talk about just the spacecraft.
4: Right. It it seemed like something just a few years ago that that wouldn't be possible. Now you've got William Shatner going up and coming back down in the same day and giving a monologue as he comes back out of it. So it it seems like all of a sudden it's not out of reach for ordinary people to be able to go up, Right. right?
5: But did you see Prince William... Not happy about all of this. Thinks I did that the, see that the billionaires yeah. are spending too much money on this. That Bezos and Let's Musk and everybody else, planet. if they've got, the, if they've got yeah. the money, spend it on the planet. Spend it on. He said, preserve the Earth. planet that
4: we have here, and rather than kind of going off and shooting off to see these things. And he's got a point. Most of us are stuck here. Most of us will be here for forever, for us.
5: <sighs> yes, I, I think we will. Yeah. Um, I think we will. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm I, hoping that maybe some of these trips turn out to be, you know, that there's some kind of great science that's learned in the process that does help us here. That's that's the way I, I try to rationalize it.
4: Yeah, I guess so. I kind of like it here.
2: Coming up on Squawk Pod, Elizabeth Holmes on trial. The latest on Theranos in
1: the courtroom with CNBC's Scott Cohn. The idea is that she is out there telling everybody, telling investors, telling journalists and everyone else what a great and revolutionary company this is when she knows or should know that the company is not what she claims it to be.
2: And later, the FDA approves a Moderna third shot for some Americans. But what else can boosters boost? Dr. Kavita Patel looks to the
3: future. This isn't just a booster for those antibodies that we've been talking about and measuring, but that there could be a booster effect to help your memory as well. We'll be right back.
5: You're listening to Squawk Pod. The trial of Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes uh, reaching now a halfway point. Scott Cohn joins us with the latest on this ongoing saga. Scott. So,
1: what did you mean when you wrote Becoming Steve Jobs? What was that all about? Looking back, do you have any regrets about all of the Today we wrap up week six in what is supposed to be a 13-week trial, as the government tries to prove that when Elizabeth Holmes was promising to change the world, build as the next Steve Jobs, she was actually running a massive fraud. And this, prosecutors say, is one example. So this is
4: what we call the nanotainer, which is a very small tube that's designed to replace the big vials that you take out of your arm when you draw blood traditionally with a tiny drop that can come from a finger.
1: In 2014, when she was coming into her own as the darling of Wall Street in Silicon Valley, touting her new blood testing technology that was supposed to revolutionize healthcare, the person running the lab where all of those tests were to be processed was not a board-certified lab technician, but a dermatologist, working part-time. His name is Sunil Dawan. He took the stand for the government yesterday. He'll be back later this morning. He was actually Sunny Balwani's dermatologist. That's the former Theranos president and Holmes' ex-boyfriend. Dhawan testified that when Balwani recruited him in 2014, he promised a very minimal time commitment, though that would change the next year when regulators started asking questions. But he also testified he had very little contact with Holmes herself. Holmes' attorneys say she wasn't involved in lab operations at that point. All she did was run a business that failed, and as they say, failure is not a crime. This week, we've also heard from former executives at Safeway and Walgreens, both of which spent hundreds of millions of dollars in hopes of having Theranos testing in their stores. Prosecutors say those companies, along with doctors, patients who got erroneous test results, and many more are among Elizabeth Holmes' many victims as this trial continues, guys. So, Scott,
5: you and I have sat in many courtrooms, sometimes together, watching these cases um, in real time. Is there a sense that you have at this point and I know it's almost unfair to prejudge uh, the outcome but can can you can you feel a sense of which way this is this is moving and and is the evidence that the prosecutors are offering compelling is the evidence that the defense is offering compelling
1: Well the the defense's role at this point is to try and pick apart all of that evidence that the that the prosecution is is offering and the prosecution isn't through their case so it's hard to tell exactly how it's going it's going to be interesting though to see how the defense counters all of this—they've already given the hints of this in their in their opening statements uh, six weeks ago, talking about how, as I said, failure is not a crime, and that really all Elizabeth all Elizabeth Holmes was doing was was what's typical in Silicon Valley, touting this new uh, this new technology, bringing in money and and so on, but was not. Uh, was not uh, dishonest to investors. And that's what the prosecution has to prove. They have to prove that she intended to commit fraud. That's a pretty high bar. And we'll see how it goes. Scott, Again, that's what i going to ask you. Of
5: the evidence you've seen thus far, is there demonstrable evidence of what you would describe as intent, intent, intent to lie, intent to defraud, intent um, to do something knowingly wrong?
1: I think, I think the jury, so to speak, is still out on this. I mean, uh, that's what the government, again, is trying to prove. They're trying to show that she was very much involved with things, that she knew what was going on, that she and Sonny Balwani were kind of together as, uh, as the people who were running this company, uh, and, and that she would have known. Now, this, this, this testimony yesterday and today from the dermatologist, uh, in some ways runs counter to that because he's testified that he had almost no contact with homes until towards the end when the the heat started coming in from regulators. Uh, But the idea is that she is out there telling everybody, telling investors, telling journalists and everyone else what a great and revolutionary company this is, uh, when she knows or should know that the company is not what she claims it to be and, and that by that point in 2014, 2015, it was pretty clear that this technology was not working even though she said otherwise.
5: But just to put a fine point on it, for example, and I don't know if this, this evidence exists, was she out publicly saying that the clinician who was running her clinic or, or, or running her lab was some you know, had experience and a background that was different than the dermatologist that, that you're now seeing on, on the stand?
1: We haven't seen anything to suggest that she has specifically talked about the lab director. And remember, the lab director before Sunil Dhawan was a, a man named Adam Rosendorf, who was on the stand for six days uh, under some pretty sharp cross-examination from the defense. Very different. He was someone who was a board-certified clinician, who, who was a, uh, was somebody who had experience at this, and he left after about 18 months after, uh, deciding that the company was, was more interested in raising money than it was in caring for pac- patients and inaccuracy in the labs. But it's not like he or Sunil Dewan after him was someone that the company that Elizabeth Holmes in particular was trotting out as an example of why this company was so great. What Holmes was talking about, again, was was the technology and the promise of being able to test a, a tiny drop of blood and run all of these diagnostic tests on it, a, a, a promise that proved uh, proved impossible to make, to meet.
5: Scott Cohn, our uh, courtroom watcher on one of the most dramatic Um, courtroom dramas of our time. Thank you. Appreciate it.
4: This is one you can't take your eyes away from. An FDA advisory panel unanimously recommending boosters of Moderna's COVID vaccine to people ages 65 and older. Also, other vulnerable Americans who might need that booster. A final FDA decision could come in days. That panel will also be meeting today to talk about J&J's vaccine boosters. And joining us now with more on all of this is Dr. Kavita Patel. She's a fellow at the Brookings Institution and former White House Health Policy Director. She's also an NBC and MSNBC medical contributor. And Dr. Patel, um, at this point, even for those of us who follow this pretty closely, it's getting very confusing about who should get a booster, when and
3: which booster they should pick up. What, What would you tell people at this point who are trying to sort through at all. Yeah, Becky. I would tell you it's it's confusing. Not just for people; it's confusing. I think for the world to understand what the United States is doing. So there was incredibly compelling evidence, by the way, presented by Israel, kind of updating its information from a month ago that in my mind, clearly demonstrates the need for boosters in all ages. But having said that, the FDA closely, the advisory committee closely mirrored the discussion we saw a month ago, which is why Moderna's boosters are also limited. As you point out, over the age of 65, if you've received Pfizer or Moderna, go get a booster shot soon. Pfizer is available today. Moderna should be available next week. It's a reduced dose. That's why I'm saying next week. You can't just go out and get a third dose today for J&J recipients we're left in a little bit of a, a hangover here we're going to have some information today but i have a gut feeling becky it's going to be unsettling just based on the way the advisory committee has set up their agenda today for anybody under the age of 65 if you've received Pfizer or Moderna if you're between 18 and 64 and you have chronic conditions my best advice have a conversation with your clinician your personal primary care physician or even if it's somebody on a telehealth visit that you can talk through, whether you qualify for a booster based on your conditions. And then basically, if if you aren't in that, or if you aren't in an occupation like mine, a healthcare worker, where you're at higher risk, grocery store, law enforcement, or you live in a setting where you might be at higher risk, nursing homes, et cetera, that means that you're not eligible. So for the majority of Americans under the age of 65, We are still waiting for more evidence that was very clear yesterday for more evidence that anybody can just go and get boosters distinct from what other countries are doing, such as the U.K., Israel, Germany, etc.
4: What's the new data from Israel that you mentioned, new data from a month ago that's much more compelling that everybody should be getting a booster? What is that?
3: Yeah, the data, so Israel has been fairly aggressive, by the way, they've also been talking about fourth shots, in fact, but this was data presented that summarizes their third shot booster strategy. Remember, they primarily used Pfizer, so it's the same exact dosing as shots one and two, administered to everybody back here over the age of 12. They presented data for people over the age of 16 because they've had millions who have received those booster doses in that population, 16 and above, looking at everything from safety, but. Also also significantly looking at reducing, not just mild and moderate and severe infections, but also reducing symptoms. And in their kind of statement, as well as presentation of data tables, Becky, pretty compelling evidence that their third shots led to this decrease in Delta. When they started their booster program, they were a 99 percent surge of Delta infections. By the end of this kind of rollout, which they've recently completed and now have data to support, they almost suppress the activity by two thirds. So could that all be the vaccine? No, but the majority of that is driven by booster shots and demonstrating safety.
4: Why isn't that more persuasive with the FDA panel?
3: I think that—so the FDA panel yesterday brought up a couple of points. Number one, what really is the goal of widespread vaccination campaigns? It's really to keep people out of the hospital, keep people from dying. There's still clearly a debate about the merits for younger, healthy people under the age of 50 even, Becky— to receive a booster shot to prevent what we would call symptomatic COVID. I think that's a critical kind of bifurcation in the debate around this. The second point that they brought up is that there's still not enough time that has gone by to look at safety signals, such as inflammation of the heart, myocarditis, because those can present several weeks after a booster is administered. And then the final kind of point was that, look, in the United States, we're not just administering Pfizer evenly across the country. We also have Moderna. We have J&J. So we can't necessarily adapt one country's one vaccine recommendation to the rest of what we're doing in the United States. This is going to continue to be a point, though, Becky, because I've said it, I think other physicians have said it, We think all Americans will need a booster at some point. The question is when.
5: Doctor, where do you land though on this issue? I was talking about this Israel data just yesterday on the broadcast because it really does reflect that you you can try to put this out and do it successfully if you're willing to take the approach that the goal is effectively to avoid anybody getting it. And if you you can avoid them getting it, then you can avoid them spreading it. And it, it changes the dynamic of the whole thing. But then there's other people, as you said, who, who just are trying to avoid hospitalization or death or say, you know, you can go take therapeutics. Therapeutics right now will cost you $500 to take the therapeutic, will cost you $50 to take the vaccine. So I'm, I, as people think about both the health issues, but then also some of these behavioral science issues uh, behind it, where do you land? Where do you personally land as a doctor?
3: Yeah, no, Andrew, I, I land on the side of vaccines as prevention and the benefits far outweighing the risks. I think that exactly not just the israeli data but let's be honest even in the real world evidence that we're seeing because we know millions of americans are getting some of these third shots even if they're not in the eligibility categories And we also know that we're seeing steep declines as vaccination rates are coming up. And as we know that people are getting, Americans are getting booster shots. So I do fall into the camp of, everyone is going to need a booster shot. And interestingly enough, the scientific discussion yesterday from the United States Advisory Committee, the FDA Advisory Committee, pointed to the notion that a booster shot can also help with that long-term memory cell immunity that we've put a lot of valid importance to. So this isn't just a booster for those antibodies that we've been talking about and measuring, but that there could be a booster effect to help your memory as well. So I fall into the camp of uh, everyone needs one at some point.
5: Okay. Dr. Patel, thank you. Appreciate it very, very much.
2: That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You can tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod on your favorite podcast app. Got a message for us? Send us a tweet at SquawkCNBC or give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll meet you right back here on Monday. Have a good weekend.
5: We are clear. Thanks, guys.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.